Welcome to Sports Beat KC, presented by Big O Tires. It's Friday, November 8th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. It's a huge college football weekend, nationally and locally. The headliner is LSU at Alabama, with a nice undercard of Penn State at Minnesota. The spotlight shines on teams closer to home as well. Kansas State rides into Texas, looking for its fourth straight triumph. It's been quite a run for the Wildcats. Two weeks ago, they picked up a signature victory at Oklahoma, and they followed that with a throttling of rival Kansas. Beat the Longhorns on Saturday, and K-State will find itself thinking about a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Kansas State beat writer Kellis Robinette joins me to break down the game, and we get in a little hoops talk as well. Texas played in last year's Sugar Bowl. So did Georgia, Missouri's opponent on Saturday. Since their five-game winning streak, the Tigers have had a rough go, losing consecutive games at Vanderbilt and Kentucky when Mizzou was favored in both. It's been a puzzling time for the program, but it has a big opportunity in Athens on Saturday. Missouri beat writer Suichi Tirada talks Tigers with me. Finally, we hear from Chiefs rookie safety Juan Thornhill. He's been a bright spot for the defense all season, and among the topics he covers with the star Sam McDowell is how he had to make a name for himself coming out of high school in Virginia. All of this on Sports BKC. Let's check in with Kellis. Kellis Robinette covers Kansas State, and he's in the crossover season of football and basketball, and things are going pretty well for both teams. But let's start with football, Kellis. That was a resounding victory for the Wildcats over KU last Saturday. And it occurred to me that uh, following the Oklahoma victory and then TCU before then, this three-game winning streak that the Wildcats are on with an opportunity to, you know, to, uh, to, for a big one at Texas on Saturday, this, is a great, this has been a great stretch for Chris Kleiman and his program after it looked like Look, they had lost a couple in a row, and I was kind of wondering what the season was going to be about for them. And now, look, they're back; they're in the polls, they're in the college football playoff rankings. This is a good time for K State football. Yeah, it's a heck of a time for them. I don't think a lot of people saw them debuting at number sixteen in the college football rankings last night, but shoot, they'll take that. That's a great deal of respect from the playoff committee right there. And you talk about you know having things to play for. Not only are they on a three-game winning streak, but they're in. Uh, they're still in the mix for a Big 12 championship. If they can beat Texas and stay in a roll, there's no reason why they can't catch Baylor or Oklahoma if one of them were to slip up down the stretch. And at number 16, that keeps them alive for a really, really good bowl game, one of the New Year's six. And if uh, I mean, the sky's the limit right now. If they keep doing what they're doing, they could wind up in a very good bowl game at the end of the year. And look, I, I saw where they're an underdog against the Longhorns, and that's going to be a big challenge for sure. Texas feels like it's got a lot to play for as well. But I don't know. I look at the schedule. Once you got Oklahoma and Baylor out of the way, at least for this year anyway, um, it just it seems manageable to me. It's you know, Getting to six wins, which is what K-State did last week with the victory over, over Kansas, you know, that's, they get the bowl eligibility thing out of the way. It, it's now it's... Let's see how much is out there for for the Wildcats. Keep it. Remind us quickly what after the Sugar Bowl. What what are the what's the pecking order? Does it go Alamo Bowl after that for the Big Twelve? It's changed a little bit, but the number one bowl outside of the playoff affiliated ones is the Alamo, followed by the Camping World in Orlando, and then I think next is um, Texas and Liberty. 
And then after that, you get down to the Cheez-It Bowl and the uh, whatever they call the bowl in, in uh, uh, Dallas at the Old Cotton Bowl. Right, right. Okay, so so Kansas State fans can plan on going bowling. That They didn't have that uh, last year. They're, that's going to happen this year. And uh, and now it's just a matter of how, how far this team can go in the regular season. But they did get a piece of bad news this week with, with A.J. Parker. Tell us about that. Yeah, he – Came up lame after a play against Kansas. Couldn't put any weight on his right foot. He was uh, in a walking boot and crutches after the game. They were hopeful um, after initially examining him that he only had a sprain, maybe a high ankle sprain that would keep him out in you know, one or two weeks. But it turned out to be worse than that. They had, had him do an MRI, and they found a fracture there. So he's out for the foreseeable future, maybe even the season. Um, and that's a tough blow for him because he's been their best defensive back this year, their number one cover corner. He did a heck of a job when Oklahoma came in, uh, blanketing some of those receivers as good as they are and keeping them down. And he, he's been arguably their best defensive player this year alongside Wyatt Hubert. So that'll be a, a tough one for him, especially considering that Texas throws for 300 yards a game. Right, right, exactly. What um, you know, I was going to ask you about uh, you know the the game that uh, that Harry Trotter had, which was was pretty amazing. The um, the the Atchison, Kansas native who ended up with with ninety two yards rushing against KU and Tyler Burns as well, and how Kansas State got it done on the ground without uh, without Gilbert and Brown, but you know uh, largely without uh, without Brown who played a little bit, but. I think I'd rather just talk about Skylar Thompson and what you know <laughs> okay. where where his game has gone here in the last month. It's just um, he really is making a bid for for all conference and and uh, other honors. He is he's he's at the top of his game, isn't he? He really is, and the thing that's changed for him is they've they've let him create with his legs. They've designed runs for him. They've let him scramble, and it really seemed like during the first half of this season. They were just kind of, I don't know, terrified to use him in that way. Um, they saw what he went through with uh, with Bill Snyder and their offense and how often quarterbacks were injured in it. And I don't think they wanted to put Skyler through that this season. And they really worked as hard as they could to make him a, pa- a pocket passer early on. But as, as each game came along, they realized that op- opponents were leaving the middle of the field wide open for quarterback draws. Um, they saw against Oklahoma and Kansas that they thought they could beat him with option plays, which is something that uh, offensive coordinator Courtney Messingham never really even did at North Dakota State. They just said, why not? Let's install it and see if it works. And neither team knew how to defend it. So he's really become a wizard down in the red zone run, running the ball. I think he's had seven rushing touchdowns over the last two games. Kansas State has had 11 touchdowns on the ground during that same span. So him being able to run the ball has just created a whole lot of new opportunities for this offense and made things easier for him in the passing game as well. And you're right, his stats will never be as high up there as Sam Ellinger or Jalen Hurd or some of the other uh, big-name quarterbacks in the Big 12. But pound for pound, he's he's been as good as any of them the last two weeks. Yeah, and the leadership qualities are just are there as well. I, I just I think they look at him as a the unequivocal leader of this team. And when you've got a guy like that at quarterback and a guy, as you said, is, is unafraid uh, with the ball in his hands, especially at the goal line, that's, that's quite an advantage for a team. You know, it's Colin Klein-esque, isn't it? I mean, they're from – you know, from from back in the day, and and some of the other good running quarterbacks that K State's had. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to quite put him with Colin Klein yet. He was basically a fullback who could throw the ball. <laughs> right. uh, Skylar Thompson's a little bit more elusive. He had a really good juke move in the last game against Kansas. I, what I've been more impressed about him is that he just kind of knows how to find open space. And when he does run, he normally doesn't have a whole lot of people around him, and he's pretty smart about getting out of bounds when he has to. And I think that's why uh, this this act can work for Kansas State over the long haul because they're not asking him to do a lot of QB power and um, putting his body at a, at a ton of risk. When they do ask him to run, uh, they're plays that most, most people who can run quickly are going to pick up yardage. Okay. Hey, let's switch to basketball. The um, the Wildcats open the season with a with a victory over North Dakota State. You know, it wasn't the prettiest games, but and and I think when people saw the schedule, they just assumed this will be you know it's K State uh, Power Five versus North Dakota State in the Summit. But this is a better team than uh, um, than than your normal uh, mid major, if you if you want to call them that. This was a team that um, that returned all of its starters from an NCAA tournament team last year and was picked to win. The summit and Kansas State got off to a little bit of a rough start in this game, but why were the Wildcats able to pull away in the second half? Well, they played with a lot more energy on both ends of the court, which was the main thing. But um, really, it starts it starts with Cartier Jada. He had just a well, once he turned it up and started attacking the basket and getting involved on defense, the entire team was able to to flip a switch and and start scoring points. They went from trailing 22-21 at halftime to pulling away and winning uh, in the second half. So they went from scoring 21 in the first half to scoring 46 in the second. So a huge change there. And basically, the really only big change they made was uh, Kansas State players quit just settling for three-pointers and decided that they could create off the dribble, get to the basket. Cartier Jada made more than anybody else. Now, it wasn't a perfect game. He scored 23 points and needed 21 shots to get there. Not great efficiency, but on, on opening night, they needed somebody to step up, and it was a good sign that he did. And and the lineup was a little curious to me with Montavious Murphy starting and, and finishing. Did I read this right? A game-high 33 minutes in this game? Tell me about that, and what? Uh, uh, wh- why did that happen? Yeah, that was a surprise to me. He didn't start in either of the exhibition games. They actually went with Levi Stockard, who's a little older, a little bit more experienced. Um, so I thought they'd stick with that lineup here. But Montavious Murphy does bring a little bit more athleticism, allows Kansas State to play faster. He's got a little bit better scoring touch. Um, so I, I definitely see why Bruce Weber likes using him. Um, even as a freshman, he brings a lot to the table, and so does his uh, his backup, who's also a freshman, Antonio Gordon. I think the, between the both of them, they can uh, team up and play the – the four spot pretty well for the Wildcats this season, but definitely the biggest surprise of all was that he played more than anybody else. I don't think anybody saw that coming, but he was really solid. He didn't make any mistakes on defense. He got in and was uh, typically in the right place, knew where to pass it, knew where to go for rebounds. Um, and, you know, he played a lot older than his age would indicate. And a good sign for just, just depth on this team. I would think, you know, that's uh um, the, the best teams are, you know, can can give you kind of a depth chart by position. And if they're counting on him for those kinds of minutes or, you know, the possibility of those kinds of minutes, that can only help Kansas State, I would think. Okay, so so listen, Saturday, um, interesting viewing day for Kansas State fans with with basketball and football kind of on top of each other. The, the Kansas State-Texas game starts at, at uh, 2.30 
on ESPN and men's basketball is at UNLV, a 3 p.m. Central start. And that game, I think, is on ESPN 3. I don't think it's on any of the, the, the ESPN regular networks. So um, what would you recommend? How do you – how would you <laughs> – if, if you're at home, if, you, if, you're, if you're watching this, uh, if you're a K-State fan watching from home, how would you, how would you handle Saturday afternoon? Well, my recommendation would be take your main TV and put that on the football game because that's the more important one. Um, and it's Texas. Everybody likes to play the Longhorns. So focus on that one and then maybe bring up K-State UNLV on your iPad or your phone and just keep an eye on it. And if uh, things get more exciting in one game or the other, maybe you can switch back or forth. It is uh, – disappointing though that they put those games so close together when they the schedule came out and i saw that these games were on the same day my hope was actually that uh they'd put the k-state texas football game at 11 a.m and then have the unlv basketball game like at 8 p.m uh west coast time or something like that so that if you were really super dedicated and had the resources you could maybe get to both games in the same day (laughs) um didn't happen put them at the exact same time um, it's kind of a bummer for uh, K-State fans. If you're trying to pick, you got to choose between a football game in Austin or a basketball game in Vegas. I mean, what? <laughs> at least I'm sure there are people out there saying, man, I wish the football game were in Ames or something so it would be easier to choose. Right, and, I, and I've got to think that if this were a Kansas State home basketball game, they would have adjusted the time after they found out the the starting time for, for football. Uh, anyway, all right, Kellis, great stuff. Appreciate it. And when we come back, we're going to talk to – Suichi Tirada, who covers Missouri for the Star. Big O Tires is rolling out Black Friday deals now through December 8th. Get limited-time Black Friday savings on oil changes, brakes, car batteries, and more. You'll also save big on tires. How big? Buy three select tires, get one free with paid installation, including brands like Nitto and Cooper. Get four tires, but pay for only three. Right now at Big O Tires, during Black Friday deals only through December 8th. Interest-free financing available, too. For your nearest participating location, go to BigOtires.com. Suichi Tirada, who covers the Tigers, joins me. How you doing today, Suichi? I'm good. I'm good. Finally getting kind of used to Columbia, so that's that's always a good step. Yeah, good step. Uh, glad you're uh, glad you feel more comfortable there. And uh, look, and you got you're you're busy. It's it's the it's the football <laughs> basketball crossover f- crossover time, and it's always a busy time. Big football game for the Tigers this weekend. Not as big as we had hoped it would be. When the schedule came out and saw the way things were going to unfold for Missouri this season with a favorable schedule, a lot of home games, and then you know some some non winnable what we thought winnable non conference away games leading into Georgia, there was some speculation, some talk in the preseason. Wouldn't it be great if if both teams were undefeated going into this game? We know that's not the case. Georgia seven and one back in the top ten. Missouri five and three, and coming off of two dispiriting road uh, losses, what's the you know what's what's sort of the Tigers' mood going into into this one? Yeah, it was kind of interesting going or coming out of Tuesday just because the two game losing streak does put a damper on things. I think the bye week really helped things. I mean, Barry has kind of changed the way he does bye weeks in terms of practices and everything, and not keeping guys stale. And giving them the whole week off. So, but I, I do think the general atmosphere is that they're kind of hopeful. I mean, we we saw it 
in Georgia versus South Carolina a few weeks ago that this is still college football. This is still 18 to 22 year olds playing college sports. So anything can happen. Um, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not too hopeful for the Tigers in terms of them pulling off an upset, but at least the team thinks that there is still a chance. So that's always a good sign. So tell me, what's the status of, of Kelly Bryant? Yeah, so it was interesting because on Tuesday, and I wrote about this on uh, KansasCity.com, but on Tuesday, Barry said that had had it been game day on Tuesday, Kelly probably wasn't going. But as of Wednesday on the SEC teleconference call, it seems like he's progressing his way towards Saturday, which is good, absolutely. Uh, you definitely want Kelly Bryant, your starting quarterback, in there. But at the same time, I, I also don't – if Kelly Bryant is you know not 100%, it, it kind of – puts into questions if you want Kelly Bryant out there, especially if he might re-injure that hamstring. So kind of an interesting uh, storyline to follow there going into Saturday. You know, is there anything – you've covered these last two Missouri games. Is there anything to take away from the losses at Vanderbilt and Kentucky that a Missouri fan could hang its hang his or her hat on in terms of giving them hope for the upset at Georgia this weekend? I mean, was, the offense was – pretty dismal how about the other side of the ball I'm, I'm thinking about the defense did they play well enough to give people a, a a ray of hope going into this weekend yeah I mean the defense has been great this year in terms of even the last two weeks I mean they did give up a lot of explosive plays to a one-dimensional Kentucky offense so I thought they played not great but maybe a little bit above average and I mean the Vanderbilt game yeah sure the Commodores uh took off the last six minutes of the game, but they still played a great game in terms of the 21, only allowing 21 points to Vanderbilt. So I think if there is a silver lining, if there is, you know, that had to hang on, is going to be that defense. And if that defense is able to get a couple turnovers, some takeaways on the road, I think they might have a puncher's chance. It, it really does come down to how that defense looks, especially in that linebacking core with uh, Kel Garrett out. So I'm curious to see how the defense looks. It, this is... This is a Georgia offense that is very pro-style in terms of the running and the passing game. They can go both ways. Jake Fromm is especially a great quarterback. Compared to the last two weeks, I mean, the last two weeks have been very run-centric offenses. I mean, Vanderbilt played, you know, the third-string quarterback, while Kentucky played, you know, a wide receiver playing quarterback. So they were definitely forced to run it a bit, but Georgia will be a different monster in that they will attack that secondary, that 4-2-5 Missouri defense. So it should it should pose some challenges there as well. Well, Missouri's actually had some nice moments against Georgia the last few years. They haven't won the games. They've only beaten Georgia once as a member of the the SEC. It was down in Athens a few years ago. But there have been some some decent moments. Not, uh, I, I, I can't say they've come close, but um, but they've been competitive in these games. A few years ago, Drew Locke had a had a great first half at at Georgia, mm-hmm. and last year just some bad breaks went. Missouri's way or against Missouri I should say and it was um you know, look the, the Tigers lost Georgia was the better team but I think if the breaks had gone the other way maybe that it, it's it's a little bit of a different narrative in that in that game it's funny the you know Missouri really hasn't had much luck against Georgia but against Florida the next opponent for the Tigers it's <laughs> you know, wow. it's it's really been a different story so I don't know. Look, one thing that is true that you can you just look at statistically is the Tigers are five and zero at home and zero and three on the road, and this one, of course, is is in Athens. So I, I just I don't know. I I I don't know if this is the week to think about breaking that um, that trend, but 
I, I don't know. I, I would think Missouri fans, if they just see a team look a little more competitive than than they have in the last couple of weeks, maybe you know that'll get them through another week. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, that's kind of funny. Like it's it's November now. Barry Odom, a Barry Odom coach, Missouri team hasn't lost a November game since November 2016, which is crazy to think about. They were four and zero last year, four and zero two years ago, zero and zero this year. So we'll see how that ends up. I'm not, like I said, I'm not too hopeful that streak will continue for Barry. And I think there was a little bit of scheduling luck, but historically speaking, Missouri teams have done pretty well in November. So. There are, you know, there are many factors to consider. It's on the road. It's against Georgia. They haven't been again. They haven't been great against Georgia. But if there is a little positive there, if there is a little bit of hope, you can kind of look there as well. Okay, so let's switch to basketball. The, the Tigers are going to play their second game tonight against Northern Kentucky on Wednesday. They handled Incarnate Wood. Um, a lot of good things happened. I, I can't tell you anything about Incarnate Wood uh, Word. <laughs> I should say. Um, I, I, I just, um, you know, I, I, to me that that's the type of game where you want to see the favored team come out and take care of business and not be lethargic and, um, and, and, and be interested in the game. And it just seemed to me that's the way the Tigers played this game, uh, in, in their opener on Wednesday. Yeah, the, it was interesting because the first 10 minutes or so, they weren't pulling away score-wise just because none of the threes, they weren't hitting any three-pointers. I think they missed seven or eight straight three-pointers to open the game. So yeah, the thing is, those were all open looks, so Konzo wasn't mad about them or anything. But yeah, I mean, this was a very ho-hum game. It was very comfortable. I mean, a 40-point win <laughs> at home against, I think, one of the worst teams in the nation and probably the worst team on Missouri's schedule. They took care of business. It looked good. Jeremiah Tillman looked great. I mean, he had a stretch where he was blocking shots, making shots. He had a career high five blocks. Um, Xavier Pinson also had a couple of nice no look passes, just as he has done in the past. Um, and some of the freshmen looked good. Mario McKinney Jr. had a couple of nice dunks. Kobe Brown started the game again. So there aren't too many takeaways. I mean, Conzo played 11 guys in the first 10 minutes again, just tinkering with rotations. And that's kind of what. I think the game plan was just beat down on the inferior team. So I think this game tonight against Northern Kentucky will be a, a much more interesting test to see how the Tigers look because this was an NCAA tournament team last year. They bring back four starters. There's a lot of interesting looks to give them, and I think it'll it'll kind of prove or it'll kind of show what kind of team the Tigers are a little bit more. Right, and I I also thought from the box score that nobody played more than 25 minutes. Drew Smith Mm -hmm. had 25 minutes, and he got, as you said, he got a lot of guys, a lot of playing time. Um, You know, you mentioned that Kobe Brown started again, and and, uh, Trey Jackson came off the bench. I'm I'm curious about that. I I know there was a lot of excitement in the recruiting of Trey Jackson and when the Tigers landed him, but uh, has Kobe Brown just had the better preseason uh is this something to um are we going to see more of this do you think uh, is trey jackson somebody they, they think can bring energy off the bench it's, what's kind of going on with that that that's fifth starting position yeah i think with trey jackson being the top hunter recruit he is and i mean his athleticism really stands out to you when he does play the proof i think the thing that kobe brown kind of brings to the table though is that he's very he's a very willing three-point shooter um, in the ex- exhibition win last Friday against Central Missouri, he took nine shots. Eight of them were behind the arc. Um, and that fits well with kind of what Missouri is trying to do in terms of uh, they have a lot of guards. They're, forward, they're one guy. They're one forward. They can trust Tillman. So Brown is kind of that wing, kind of that tweener a little bit that you see in the NBA. So I think 
that is kind of part of it. I mean, Konzo has mentioned multiple times that Kobe has looked great in practice in terms of whether it be taking threes, driving into the hoop, and of course playing good defense because that's what Konzo Martin is and what his Tigers are. Right. But yeah, I think Trey Jackson, I think the way it seems right now is that he's going to definitely be that spark off the bench. And I think his athleticism will really help in that regard. But right now, it, it does look like Kobe Brown is above him in that rotation. But it is still early. Um, Cosmo did mention that Kobe did earn that starting spot, but I mean, it, it's it's difficult to project the long term for the season just because you never know with the ceilings and the floors of each individual player. Sure. It's something we'll keep an eye on. Hey, Sweetie, great catching up with you, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Juan Thornhill was a second-round draft selection out of Virginia, and the Chiefs believe they got a steal on draft night last April. Through the first half of the season, it looks like the team was right. Thornhill's been one of the steadiest players on the defense, and he seems to improve every week. To reach this point, it's been something of an uphill climb. He wasn't a highly recruited player out of Alta Vista High School in Central Virginia. One small D1 school wanted him to play basketball. But he landed a scholarship in Virginia and became an all-ACC performer. Thornhill spent some time with the star Sam McDowell in a noisy Chiefs locker room recently. We do apologize for the background noise. But here's Thornhill with Sam McDowell. And be sure to read Sam's story on the Chiefs' safety, who's having an impactful rookie season. As a secondary as a unit, it seems like you guys have really improved the past few weeks. Is there anything you can kind of pinpoint and attribute that to? Um, just getting repetition and playing together. Because like early in the season, a bunch of other guys was like the first time was playing together. Yeah, yeah. And now that we got our few games on our belt, I mean, everyone pretty much knows what the other guy next to him is going to do and the things that he liked to do yeah. so we can play into each other's hands and help each other out. How difficult was it, I guess, as a rookie? Because you're already learning the league and, like, maybe the, some speed stuff, but also teammates at the same time. But the, just the fact that maybe they didn't know each other as well. I mean, with me, like, I at Virginia, I was under two different coaching systems, coaching styles, and I, like, I had a coach that was really aggressive, and then I had a coach that was more laid back, yeah. and I basically had to get used to both of those, so I had a coaching change, so it made yeah. me learn early to, to adapt to things like okay. that, so when I got here, it really wasn't that much of a difference, like, because I'd, I'd have had a coaching change before, so I got here, and the basic thing I had to do is just learn the playbook, and then get used to playing with the guys that I'm next to, so that's the biggest adjustment for me. Is there anything, or any point during the season where you, you feel like things started to, to click for you? Um, probably, I want to say like after maybe like fourth or fifth game. Like, cause I, at first I felt like the game was a little fast uh-huh. and, and things were happening really fast for me, but then I noticed like into that fifth game, things started to slow down a lot and 
it allowed me to make more plays because like at first I was thinking a lot, but now I'm not really yeah. thinking. I'm just out there playing football, having fun. So how do you keep your confidence when you just sort of remind yourself, hey, this will come to me? I mean, I just do my job. Like I'm always out of confidence. You got to have confidence to play D-back. So uh, I always step out there feeling like I'm the best defensive back on the field. Even I'm next to Tyron. Like this dude's a heck of a player, but I'm still thinking I'm the best D-back on the field. I mean, I'm just a competitor. Like if you say I can't do something, I'm gonna try to do it. Like I told you about that. Yeah. When uh, basketball coaches say I went back the next level, like I just want to prove them wrong. That's just the type of person I am. And then like these, and that's when sometimes in the weight room, I'm like. They'll tell me I can't lift a certain weight and I'll go in there and do it just to prove him wrong. He's just like, I'm the type of guy that always want to win what I'm doing. So, like, I mean, it's just, it's just in me. I've watched your YouTube clip. First of all, it's 20 minutes long, your high school stuff, uh, which yeah. is pretty, pretty excessive. But there's a lot of pretty, pretty incredible stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I've been, I just played basically every play in there, like every good play that was that I had. And it was, I mean, the clip was just as long as it can get. And I still, like, put out a whole bunch of stuff that could have been in there. I mean, I see, yeah, I just wanted to make it really long just so I can always look back on it and see, like, my scene see That'll do it for another week of the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast, a little thing we call Sports Beat KC, presented by Big O Tires. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if so, give it a rate and review. Links to the stories can be found in the show notes and read our college coverage on KansasCity.com. Thanks to our producers, Derek Donovan and Leah Becerra, for putting together today's episode. And we'll be back on Monday with a full review of the Chiefs game at the Tennessee Titans. Hope you'll tune in.